Hello and welcome to Design Education Talks by the New Art School. Our guest today is Lisa Wistanley. Welcome, Lisa. Hello, hello, Lefteris. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's my, my pleasure to be part of your podcast. It's fantastic to have you here. So tell us about you and your work. Okay, where to, where to start? Uh, I, I wear many hats. Um, I am an educator, design educator, and I have been for the last decade or so. Um, I'm also a practicing designer and a researcher, design researcher. So I wear these different hats uh, on numerous occasions, many times a day, and sometimes I forget to switch between the, between them. But uh, it, it it's a makes for a fun experience. So um, a little bit of of background for for context. I'm originally from the UK, um, where I worked for about. 15 years as a practicing designer in the uh, graphic design and visual communication fields. Um, I predominantly worked in sort of packaging design and um, design for, for um, food and beverage industry was, was my forte in, in the UK. Um, however, I, I after about 15 years, uh, long story, uh, but I ended up in the Middle East, uh, in Kuwait. Um, and there I found it quite difficult to get work in the design industry. So I transitioned to design education and I worked at an all-women's college over in the Middle East in Kuwait for about eight years and then moved over to where I currently am in Singapore at um, Nanyang Technological University here in Singapore, where I'm an assistant professor in the School of Art, Design and Media. So it's quite a, a challenge being a sort of art and design school in a technological university, uh, but we make it work. Uh, and we, we are all about tackling new challenges and, and figuring out how we can fit within that sort of big university ecosystem. Uh, so, so my role within the school, um, again, is, is like I say, threefold. I'm, I'm a, a assistant professor in a teaching capacity, and I teach uh, visual communication courses, typography courses. Um, currently, I'm teaching illustration for designers and design thinking as well. So, so that that's my sort of teaching scope. Uh, in terms of research, um, my research sort of sits in the intersections between ethical creative practices and collaborative creative practices and pedagogies. So I really look at the spaces in between those places and how we can generate tools and resources uh, for effective ethical collaboration to sort of bring about designed for a positive change in the world. Uh, so, so that's where my sort of research sits. And then on top of that, I'm a practicing designer as well. Again, still within the sort of scope of visual communication. Um, I love making posters. I love really trying to use my craft to uh, advocate for the different sort of social and cultural issues that we're facing in, in our society. And hopefully I can bring all of those things into the classroom and put back 
um, and get our students to participate in this kind of, of things as well. Encourage them to research, encourage them into social and cultural issues. So, yeah, lots of different hats. And I try and uh, combine them at multiple times. Often yeah, you, I'm doing. <laughs> I've answered many questions at once. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's pick it up from the beginning. So, uh, you said sure, you started sure. all women's college. That's very, very interesting compared. So how was your how was your beginning yeah. of, of your teaching? Tell us about how you, you started. And oh, wow. The okay. there. That would be very interesting. All right. So like, like I said, long story short, I, I was a practicing designer in the UK for many, many years. And then I met my husband and we moved over to the Middle East um, for his work. And I, I just couldn't get a, a design job in, in that particular space because at the time I, I, I was not multilingual. I couldn't read or write Arabic, which kind of positioned me outside of the design market, seeing as I, I couldn't wow. really communicate in in that sense. I can now speak a little bit of Arabic, but my reading and writing is terrible. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I basically went back to school. Um, I, I had a... My, my education in the UK, I, I was trained as a designer. Um, um, I had a, a national diploma and a higher national diploma, which I guess to the American system would be like um, an associate degree. But then I, I sort of went directly into industry after that and then yeah. worked my way up from junior designer to senior designer and art director uh, and design consultant. So when I, I moved over to Kuwait, I realized to get a job, I needed a bachelor degree as well. <laughs> so I oh. went back to school. <laughs> oh. <laughs> After like 15 years out of school, I went back to school and I did a top-up degree to get my, my bachelor's, uh, again, in visual communication. And at that point, I transitioned into design education in, and I worked at, um, as I said, an all-women's college in, in Kuwait where I, I taught on the graphic design program there uh, for from about 2011 to 2018. Um, and it was a wonderful experience. I mean, it was very challenging at times, teaching um, with English as a second language can be quite a, a challenge. Yeah. Um, but and, and as I said, at the time, I didn't speak any Arabic. Now I'm slightly better and can just about hold the conversation. But um, it was an uh, Australian college in Kuwait. So the teaching language was in English uh, and all the students were expected to uh, conduct um, the classes in English as well. Uh, and, yeah, it, it could be challenging. There could be sort of miscommunications, but we made it work and... The students were amazingly creative over there. I loved the use of color and their imaginations. And, and it was a really um, mind-opening experience for both me and them to sort of be exposed to these different cultures within the classroom setting and really embrace that. And I think I probably learned as much uh, from them as they did from me. Uh, and I think for me to be able to take my experience from the design industry into the classroom as well was, was something that really helped me. Um, and I'm still in touch with many, many of the students from, from, 
from Kuwait. Mm. Hello, everybody. I'm going to ask them all to, to listen to this podcast afterwards. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and then I went back to school again <laughs> to do my postgraduate qualification. And um, at that point, I uh, we were looking to move out of Kuwait, and we really didn't have a sort of plan B. Um, so I sent out my CV to multiple universities around the world, and I was super fortunate enough to get an interview at uh, NTU at Nanyang Technological University, which is ranked, I think, number one in Asia at the minute. So I'm super uh, honoured to have been accepted to, to come here. And, mm-hmm. and that's, we, we moved out here in uh, January 2018. So this is my fifth year in Singapore. And how do you uh, and find teaching, teaching there compared to, to Kuwait? Wow, it's very, very different. I mean, Kuwait is so laid back, it's horizontal. You know, it, it's really sort of laid back, a very relaxed atmosphere, whereas Singapore is, everything's in fast forward, everything is needed yesterday. It, it's very fast paced and... Um, so it was an incredibly challenging transition for me to go from, well, I kind of guess I came from sort of like a very liberal society in the UK, yeah. then at least anyway, uh, to a very ultra-conservative society in Kuwait. And then here in Singapore, I find it to be a very happy medium between the two. There are some conservative views, but I think um, for the most part, I'm given – amazing academic freedom here, which I very much enjoy. Um, and I'm supported within the university to um, do a lot of collaborations, which is something I'm very interested in pursuing and f- for the benefit of the students as well to get them engaged in sort of multidisciplinary work. Fantastic. So tell us about your current research projects and your and your creative okay. Sure. I mean, I have absolutely tons going on at the minute. I, I I always liken it to like I'm spinning all of the plates at the circus. Hopefully none of them come crashing down. Yeah. Um, but I am really lucky to have won quite a bit of um, funding, some, some uh, funded grant awards to support the research that I'm doing. Um, and I do a lot of work in addressing visual plagiarism in uh, art and design. Uh, education specifically. And I look at this from a sort of moral and ethical perspective rather than a legal perspective. I don't want to sort of go down the sort of um, copyright and intellectual property aspects of it. I'm not a lawyer. That's out of my um, scope of expertise. So I I look at this from a very preemptive approach. And the research that I've done I've spoken to many, many undergraduate students. I've been speaking to um, faculty members, academic support staff, librarians, to try and understand perspectives of how and why um, visual plagiarism occurs within an art and design classroom setting and how we can create tools and resources to support people to not <laughs> visually plagiarize and to really understand academic integrity right. with images. Uh, so to do that, I, I've done like tons of focus groups. 
um, analyzing all that data to try and build tools to um, educate students. And so from all these conversations and all this data that I've gathered, I've put together a toolkit um, called Cut and Paste, uh, which is intended to be part of an active learning workshop. So I've designed mm-hmm. a, a curriculum for this workshop and uh, a lot of uh, print-based resources to facilitate conversations within the workshop. So things like um, s- small sort of activities, if you will, to get students engaged with the topic and making, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, on the the topic to really deepen their understanding rather than just, I I think in order to engage students on these type of things, if if I were to just sort of stand at the front of the classroom and be a talking head and and just deal with this in in like a boring lecture, then the knowledge, they may potentially remember it, but they won't be engaged with this. And so, and they probably won't realize the, uh, implications of it as well. So by getting the students to engage in these uh, collaborative uh, activities, I think it really helps them to grasp quite complex ethical and moral concepts. And so that was what the, the toolkit was designed to do. Yeah. And aside, aside from that, I also um, have just were finishing up now a project um, whereby I spoke to um, trainee art and design teachers at pre-tertiary level. Uh, so I wanted to know, specifically in Singapore, how was visual plagiarism taught or, or taught about, spoken about within a pre-tertiary classroom? Um, how did art and design teachers acknowledge this and, and deal with this before yeah. they get to university? And from the research that I've done, the answer is that they don't. Um, and it's just not part of the curriculum. Uh, and I wanted to, and, and it wasn't because they, they didn't want to address it. It's just because it wasn't built into the curriculum structure. So it wasn't addressed. So you're really talking uh, about IP in, IP in education, really, yeah? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, we, we look at things like, um, like pastiche and homage yeah. and uh, parody and how there's a lot of gray area here and how um, the, a lot of university policy is very black and white. It's, you cannot have more than 25% similarity. And uh, yeah. my question is, how do I measure 25% of an image? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so there needs to be institutional change, not just... Yeah. Um, educational reform Uh, and it's opening students eyes up to concepts like this and that it can't be just black and white Um, and anybody who's in the business of producing or consuming images should have more information about ethical production and consumption of images so really that's what the tools does your issues extend into ai as well? Um, this is where I'm hoping to go uh, okay. a little bit moving forward. Um, yeah. So I, I've spoke to undergraduates, I've spoke to trainee teachers. I'm now in the process of speaking to faculty as well and realizing that faculty don't know enough about this topic either. Right. Um, but also in industry, I'm, I'm finding more and more, everybody's sending me uh, emails. Oh, Lisa, look, 
these people have plagiarized this work. It's all over the internet. So I'm getting more and more people sending me this information about it going on in industry as well. And, and this is definitely where it sort of broaches into uh, intellectual property and yeah. copyright yeah. issue. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I'm looking at this from more of a moral and ethical perspective and how we can then go out into industry and speak to junior designers or um, even senior designers, art directors, about their um, company practices and to help them to avoid getting into any hot water through. Mm-hmm. And, and usually for, from what I found, one of the main contributing factors to people plagiarizing work is naivety. They just don't know that you can't use these images or that there's legal repercussions to it. So I think this is why education is so important so that we can start to make sure that everybody's aware of what, what the, the, the can and can't is. And where there is a gray area, it's making sure that um, transparency is a key um, figure within that conversation. Have you looked at things like mid-journey? Yes, it's it, it's. I've seen so much uh, that is sort of being pushed. Um, again, people keep sending I mean, me emails about all sorts of really stuff. Is that, that's where it really yes. is at right now, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm constantly screenshotting things to to add to this, and I think nobody nobody's touching on this at the minute in in the research world that I'm aware of. If anybody is, please reach out to me. Let's collaborate. Um, but we need to start to consider. Uh, how we deal with students using AI-generated images or producing AI-generated images as part of submissions and where the gray areas lie in in that sphere as well. Um, It's a very interesting topic, and I think it's one that definitely needs to be explored not just in education, but also in industry as well, how, how people are utilizing it in industry. Because I think moving forward from education, our students are going straight out there into the world and practices are very different from, from perhaps what they've been taught in university. So I think we need to really take a holistic approach to this to, to see how we can uh, – enlighten people shall we say about the sort of rights and wrongs of this and and i don't think there are black and white answers Mm. Uh, i'm not even sure if there are any answers but i would love to to continue this research to try and find out a little bit more about other people's perspectives and how we can potentially figure out solutions to navigate this brand new space you said you're collaborating also with some institutions earlier on or um not for this, oh, well, actually for this particular research, for, for the provision. Or anything else. I've got loads of collaborations going on. Uh, for this visual plagiarism, I, I'm working with um, our sister school almost. It's called NIE, which is the uh, Nanyang Institute for Education, which trains teachers in Singapore. So I've been working with them um, to figure out ways that we can reach uh, secondary school students how we can reach Um, we we have junior college and polytechnic here before uh undergraduate education so having a look at how we can reach those um institutions 
but also I am working with a number of different universities around the world. Um, shout out to Mississippi University, um, who, who are also taking an interest in um, addressing visual plagiarism through online resources. So mm-hmm. I've got a couple of conference presentations coming up um, with my um, partner in crime, Corinne Kennedy, who is in Mississippi University. So she'll be working with me on that as well. Um, but aside from my research into addressing visual plagiarism, uh, in my sort of teaching role, I'll put my different hat on now, uh, I work with lots of different um, partners. So I mentioned before that I teach an illustration for designers course. And within that course, I have created what I refer to as being my illustration plus framework. So again, I think it's super important for students to experience multidisciplinary collaborations and multidisciplinary work. So uh, within that illustration course, I have illustration plus technology where I introduce students to uh, generating AR um, face filters for, for social media. Uh, and I, I think I spoke about that on the uh, virtual design yeah. education yeah, uh, back in November. Go check out that. VDF 22, uh, we're starting as well yes. with VDF 23, so it's all, it's all happening. Yeah. Yes, big, big up to, to VDF that it was an, a great experience. Um, so that, that sort of one collaboration where they're working um, more with a sort of global perspective in mind, not with a necessarily a, a, a partner. But then we move uh, to illustration plus science. And I'm working with the School of Chemistry here at NTU. And I think that's one of the amazing benefits of working with uh, inside a technological university that we do have access to scientists and engineers and computer scientists. And we've got all of these amazing people that we can tap into and and work with. So I I work with a a wonderful professor called uh, Michaela Suparu, who is a molecular chemist. And our illustration students go over to the chemistry labs and they do loads of different experiments and get really, they get to wear the lab coat and put on the glasses. And we have a tour around the the chemistry lab so that they can sort of understand what it means to be a scientist in in 2023. Uh, And from there, they generate um, illustrations which are intended for uh, academic publications. So we've been super successful and we've had about, I would say, Around eight of our students over the last two years have had their work published in academic journals, uh, like on the front cover and stuff. So it's been really great. And we also promote this through, um, we have a a physical exhibition at the School of Art, Design and Media. And last year, we also had a virtual exhibition as well uh, through I forget the name of the platform now. Um, oh, yeah, uh, it's a German platform, so forgive me if I, if I mispronounce this, but it's uh, Kunstmatrix. Uh, and you, so you can upload your artwork on there and virtually tour the gallery space, which I can share with you. Uh, and so that was a really great collaboration, and we're looking to extend that as well. So we can do 
some research into how we can uh, really benefit from these type of collaborations and how the students can benefit from these collaborations. A, a lot of the, the underpinning research that I did before we sort of entered into this collab was really positioned art and design as somewhat subordinate to science, as a way to elevate the science. And this is great, but I want to approach this from more of a perspective of how can science expand the worlds of our artists and designers and how can it benefit the artist and the designer um, I don't want to be positioned as being subordinate to science. I want to be on the same level and, and we both elevate each other. So that's super important for me, at least anyway. Uh, and then the last part of this course is illustration plus sustainability. Uh, now, this is very new. I'm running this for the first time uh, this semester. So it's work in progress at the minute. Um, but I think I'm working with a climate designer. This is her her, her title as a climate designer. Uh, and we're aiming to generate illustrations that really look at imagined futures for our world and the possibilities for our world from a very positive perspective. I think there's lots of doom and gloom out there. Um, climate change, global warming is, is impacting so many people. But I really wanted our students to have a look at this from a much more positive perspective and how if we change, if we make the necessary changes in our lives, in our societies, in our countries, what would our future look like? What would our world look like if we were to get it right rather than the doom and gloom of what happens if we get it wrong? What, what does a climate designer do? Like weather, weather control or what? Uh, no, I think she, she I'm, I'm hoping this is her correct title, uh, but I think she, she does a lot of work um, in informing people in uh, advocacy and in um, promoting design for preventing climate change. <laughs> ah, okay. Yes. So hopefully I've got that right. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said, it's a brand new collaboration, so we are going to be working together. Um, and hopefully we have timed this right as well in that we want to also do an exhibition of the work that's produced. And it just so so works out that it is um, on the 22nd of April, I think it is the, um, I've forgotten the name of the thing now. It's like Environment Day. I forgot what they call it. My goodness. <laughs> I'll have to go back and find out. Oh, um, don't yeah, worry. Come back to me on that one. I'm sure it, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember the name of it. But it's like a big event in the sort of sustainability world. And hopefully we can use that to leverage uh, upon and showcase our students' work and, and make global citizens out of them. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and then, so that's my illustration course. So the next thing that I do that, that is very multidisciplinary, uh, I teach a design thinking course. Sorry, I should say I co-teach a design thinking course uh, because I work with uh, another professor over at the School of Material Science Engineering. 
uh, at MSA. And so uh, she teaches this course with me. And so we have half of the students are art design media students and the other half are material science engineers. Uh, we mix them up so they have multidisciplinary groups. And then we um, collaborate with a community partner. So we, we've run this course for the last three years and had a different partner each round. Uh, the first round, we worked with a, a wonderful charity, an, an NGO, sorry, uh, here in Singapore called Etch Empathy for the Blind. Uh, and so we worked with the, the blind community and visually impaired community in Singapore to come up with designed solutions to really try to impact their day-to-day -day lives. So we had some amazing projects come out of that. Uh, our students worked with um, blind chefs and designed a, a multifunctional chopping board that allowed the chefs to more safely prepare the, the foods um, and store their food as well. So that, that was a really great project. Mm -hmm. uh, we had students work on uh, sound systems for, for um, residential buildings and others worked on um, safety proofing. Loads of different stuff happened in that. Uh, then we, the year after, we worked with an organization called Heartware who support senior citizens in Singapore. And yeah. so our students worked one-on-one -on -one with seniors and designed solutions for, for them specifically. It was a very sort of one-to-one -one challenge. Uh, and again, we had some great projects whereby they uh, a, a student group created a whole business plan on safety proofing homes for the elderly. Uh, and hopefully they're still uh, looking to move that forward and actually create that into a, a, a legitimate business proposition. Hmm. Uh, and then this year, we've just finished working with another NGO called Ground Up Initiative, who are a, a sustainable organization here in Singapore and they have a number of different facilities on site. Um, they have an earth oven where they run um, pizza making uh, workshops. They have a woodworking workshop where they recycle materials and, and create different uh, furniture and smaller objects and, and teach people how to work with wood, uh, recycled materials as well. Uh, and they also have a kitchen and a farm. So we we had our students work with this organization um, and got some great results in, they, they created, um, it, it's a very rural space. Uh, and as you can imagine in Singapore, it, it's quite tropical climate as well. So there's quite a lot of mosquitoes around. Uh, and oh. so one, one of the problems that we identified, well, the students identified, was that some of the volunteers that worked there were actually really put off because they were getting eaten alive every time they were going out there to, to volunteer. Uh, and obviously this has health implications. That there's, We have dengue fever here, which nobody wants to contract. So mosquito prevention was a real issue. Um, but the students came up with a fantastic solution to that and they created sort of portable uh, mosquito repellent 
devices that use natural products. So through all the research that they did, they uh, revealed that um, mosquitoes don't like oranges or anything citrusy. So they dried out orange peel, crushed it up and created like a powder from it, which was then uh, burned and sufficed as a, a really great mosquito repellent. The powder can also be uh, dissolved in water and you can use it on yourself as a repellent as well. Okay. All natural. Um, so no pollutants involved whatsoever, no chemicals involved whatsoever, or, or unnatural chemicals involved. So um, they're, burning, and, they're burning the dried the dried orange peel. Yes, which actually comes from the kitchen in Ground Up Initiative as well. So it's a really circular um, solution. That that would that's utilizing things that would just be thrown away, um, right. and so then the the uh, Ground Up Initiative, the actual organization, have taken this on and created a workshop so people can come and learn how to build these devices, um, and and take them home for their own spaces. And they've built lots around the the um, environment that they're in as well. So hopefully it's alleviated some of those pesky mosquitoes. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So so that's that's my my teaching collaborations, uh, and I'm always open to to explore other ways that we can collaborate with other schools and other organisations. I, I never say no to an opportunity to work with interdisciplinary. Um, and, and to try and put back into the communities that we serve as well. Um, I, I think it's really important as an expat here in Singapore that I try and integrate into the community and give back. Um, hopefully I do that with my teaching, but a little bit more in, in terms of um, having some empathy and really figuring out how I can make a difference. That, that's super important to me. Um, and I think I've transitioned very far from like my, my packaging days in the UK. I, I, and for me as a, as a person, I think it was very important that my legacy be more than just landfill. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so for me, giving back is something that as an educator, I'm in a very fortunate position to be able to try and do. That's brilliant. Um, Where do you see the future of employability for designers? Oh, wow. That's a, a great question. Um, I think because I'm in all of these multidisciplinary spaces, yeah. uh, it seems to me that that's where design is moving towards. I, I don't think that we can situate ourselves in these silos anymore. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, like I said, I, I'm a, a trained in, in graphic design and, and visual communication, yes. and, and that's great. But would I be able to earn an income in 10, 20 years' time if I could only do that one thing? And I think being able to collaborate in environments which are not necess- where you're not necessarily comfortable is a wonderful place to try and explore. To, to yeah, get out of your comfort zone it is where I would like to see our students headed and not being afraid to do so. So I think there are more and more spaces opening up outside of what we, we deem the sort of traditional design industry. Um, 
social media has kind of opened that up so that we've got people working in um, government spaces, in um, educational spaces, in tourism, in whatever other industries uh, are in need of design and designers. And I think a lot of our students seem to be moving over into industries that are not specifically design focused. Um, and being comfortable in those spaces is, is one of the challenges that we face as educators to, to help students to thrive in an environment that they're not familiar with. I think adaptability is probably one of the key things we should aim to try and impart on our students and for them to be as adaptable as possible so that they can move. I mean, none of us know where the design industry is going. Is it, It's in such a state of flux, yeah. I think. So be prepared for the unknown. <laughs> so if you had, could have a magic wand and, and change whatever you like in, in your education, Ooh. what would you do differently in, in your teaching? Oh man, that's that's a big question. Um, I mean, I, I'd love to be able to remove the the red tape and the administration work, um, but I think I, I meant I touched briefly upon this before with my work with visual plagiarism. I think yeah. universe it'd be so wonderful to have more conversations with the powers that be in in design education so that they're more familiar with what we do as artists and designers and creatives. Mm -hmm. And so that we can have these conversations that don't exclude us or that end up making us be square pegs in round holes. Um, so I, I think it would be, if I had this magic wand, I, I would get all engineers and scientists and anyone who works in tech and business majors to come do some design classes <laughs> so that they can really understand that. I mean, I think there's this misconception sometimes in, in certain fields, especially where I am, that, that we all sort of float around in bohemian robes, waving paintbrushes, and that's what we do in the art school, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it would be really great to open people's minds up a little bit more to understand that we are... Yes, all right, we may float around with Bohemian robes, waving paintbrushes, but that's not all we do. We, we are problem excavators. We're problem solvers. We're idea factories. We're, we're all of these things. And that we're very complementary to many of the disciplines that they work in. Um, and we're not these alien beings that do weird stuff. Well, not all the time, at least, anyway. <laughs> this is great. Yes. So, yeah, just more awareness is, is, more awareness. is my magic yeah. wish. Yeah. 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 How can our viewers and listeners find you? Oh, okay. So, uh, my website is uh, lisawinstanley.com. You can find me there. Um, I'm also on ResearchGate uh, for my more academic things. Uh, my, I'm also on LinkedIn as well. You can just type in Lisa Winstanley. Uh, on socials, uh, I'm probably more active on Instagram on uh, Lisa W design. I do have a Twitter account, but I don't use it as much as I would like mainly because I'm too busy spinning all the other plates, but I think that's prof Lisa W on Twitter. 
Um, yes, come and find me. Come follow me. Come chat with me. Come collaborate with me. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, what is the advice would you like to leave us with? Oh, so if I'm speaking to students, I think I would say be open to working with others, learning from multimodal ways of doing and being and thinking. Don't be afraid to step outside of your comfort zone. Um, don't be afraid of failure. Failure is part of the process. Embrace that process. Learn from that. Roll with it. Yeah. And um, and lastly, I think give back if you can to the societies that were were living in even if you can make an impact just on one person then i think that's that's more than enough and and i highly encourage you to try that's fantastic thank well, you well thank you so much for this fantastic conversation and again looking forward to collaborating with you on the education forum that's coming yes. up in end of may hopefully <laughs> all good fingers crossed I, i i will hope so too i'm looking forward also thanks so much right. left it's been thank a pleasure you so much, thank you thank, thank you, you. Bye -bye.